We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 13th, 2011. And we're going to continue, we're going to segue a little bit here. We're still going to be talking a little bit about Islam, but now we're going to be talking about Chrislam, straight from the pits of hell. And um, I, I've reported on this a little bit more in times past. This is a newer report that just came out. Um, and it starts out by saying, maybe we should not be too surprised, maybe we shouldn't we should have seen it coming, incredible as it seems, it is now a shock in reality. What people would have thought impossible not so long ago is now coming to pass in America. Uh, while not actually new on the scene, it is relatively new to America. What is it? The answer is Chrislam. Christian and Muslim leaders have been meeting together for months to work on mixing together Christianity and Islam into one big happy religion. They are trying to form an ecumenical merger of these two opposing creeds into a new and strange partnership. And they are giving it the combination name of Chrislam. I mean, just based on what we've just covered, and that wasn't even any kind of in-depth expose on Islam, it's like the insanity level of this Laodicean, lukewarm, 501c3 corporate church, particularly in America, is just, we're going to look at the insanity level, where the new lows it has just attained. And this is just part of that. I mean, I, I can't even comprehend this information anymore. It is incredibly true that some well-known Christian leaders are encouraged, and again, they I would use the, the term Christian very... <laughs> obviously, loosely or lightly in, in this particular regard. These aren't Christians. These are essentially wolves in sheep's clothing. Uh, these are ministers of Satan that appear as ministers, or trying to appear as ministers of righteousness. These are hirelings that have no true love for the flock um, because the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. These, these people have no true love for their flock. They're just, um, I mean, I, it's just unbelievable. So going further here, <clears throat> uh, it is incredibly true that some well-known Christian leaders are encouraging Christian pastors across America to embrace this ecumenical concept of combining Christianity and Islam. The conservative Christian coalition newsletter reports that already some 130 Christian leaders in 22 states have revealed their involvement. They are falsely declaring that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And they are ridiculously claiming that Christianity and Islam are both peaceful, monotheistic religions with similar beliefs and values. This is a lie straight from the great deceiver himself. Islam and Christianity are exact opposites. Just as water and oil do not mix, it is impossible for Christianity and Islam to mix. The Bible calls on Christians to seek peace and love their neighbor. Islam calls on its followers to kill all who will not convert to Allah's teachings. In other words, fundamental Quran-believing Muslims believe everyone must convert to to Islam or die. That that should be the main thing emphasized about Islam. That is an absolute total fact. But it's it's just not mentioned. It's you know it's as though, oh no, no, that would be politically incorrect. <laughs> Informed Christians and Jews know that Allah was the Arab moon god 
whose name Muhammad elevated to be the name of Islam's highest power. See, there was, at the time, that the, the religion and the form that it was in, before it was officially known, I believe, as Islam, they had a plethora of fallen angelic, demonic gods that they worshipped. Um, Muhammad went into this particular temple and destroyed all of these other gods, fallen angelic idols, essentially, and left one. And the one he left was the moon god, Allah. This is why they call it monotheistic, meaning it's the worship of one god. It's not the worship of the god of the Bible. It's the worship of moon god, Allah. But yes, I guess from that standpoint, at least from the veneer that Islam portrays, they worship the moon god, Allah. So that makes them monotheistic. And evidently that means that because Christianity is monotheistic, it's the same thing. <laughs> Just insanity. So, informed people know that the fundamental... Okay, no, I'm skipping ahead here. Uh, that is why the crescent moon and the star are on the Islamic flag and on the Islamic houses of worship. Why? Because it's the moon god. That's why the crescent star and the crescent moon and the star are on the flags. <clears throat> Informed people know that the fundamentalist Muslim clerics have loudly and clearly declared jihad or holy war against all infidels, that is, all non-Muslims of the world. And informed people know that the Quran says that by killing an infidel, a Muslim is assured a place in heaven. So see, if they kill you and you're an infidel and you won't convert, it's not like you've done a bad thing. You've just assured your place, a, a place for you in a paradise. So going further, we must stand against this evil spirit of Islam, which says all who love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob must be eliminated. In an article dated, uh, but see, they don't, they don't want any Christians to know the truth of that. They want to, they want to come under this veneer of deception with this veneer like, oh yeah, we worship the same God. And then when, when they get to a certain position of power, and this is how it always works wherever they go, then basically the teeth come out and then they start, their true agenda is actually revealed. But when they first come in, they come in like a little lamb and act like, oh, we're, yeah, we all worship the same God in this. They're lying to you because the Quran says it's okay to lie as long as it's, 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 it's advancing the cause of Islam. <clears throat> in an article, article dated January 22nd, 2011, written by Deborah Ray in the newswithviews.com, she reports that the memorial drive Presbyterian Church in Houston, Texas, has joined with other Presbyterian churches in Atlanta, Seattle, and Detroit to encourage ecumenical reconciliation between Christianity and Islam. In the article, she stated, Theirs was a celebration of a worldview potpourri, mixing together elements of Christianity and Islam. Uh, in her article, Part 6, um, which is entitled Lost Art of Critical Thinking, Mrs. Ray went on to reveal that these churches have declared that the Bible and the Quran to be of equal authenticity as sacred texts, and even place copies of the Quran in the pews next to Bibles. I mean, this is some blasphemous, egregious abomination going on in these corporate essential whorehouses as far as I'm concerned. They've whored themselves out to paganism. They're yoking themselves up with infidels. The true infidels. And non-believers of Christianity. And they've invited it into their very own churches. 
I mean, we're talking, this is a serious abomination. They're elevating the Quran, which is contradicts itself in so many places. I mean, you know, you could do a whole study on that. But they've elevated the Quran and the Bible uh, to the same level. Miss Ray points out that some Christian supporters of Chrislam believe that, quote, if American tolerance of Chrislam were rejected, then the ongoing conflict between East and West would escalate beyond repair. This slippery slope fallacy presumes a sort of chain reaction destined to end with dire consequences that otherwise might have been averted. So in other words, it would be purely the Christian's fault for not yoking up and joining hands with those of the Islamic faith, if we could have prevented that. So what we're doing by yoking up with them is we're preventing some future uh, uh, crisis within Islam. And if we don't do that, then only we, we Christians have ourselves to blame. I mean, what a... I mean, I just don't even have the words to describe a lot of this stuff a lot of times. The the utter, I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just unbelievable. So it would be our fault for not yoking up with um, Islam if we have the opportunity to do it now. Even though the Bible states time and time and time and time again, you know. Uh, wherefore, come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for, for what concord hath Christ with Belial? Concord means agreement. Or a believer with an infidel. <laughs> That's a true infidel. Okay, 2 Corinthians 6.14 was the last verse. Uh, they just, their Bibles mean nothing at this point, in most of these congregations. They don't mean anything. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're a, one of these New Age Bible versions. They're not King James, because they've been banned out a long time ago. The churches are so thoroughly, totally leavened that anything goes. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, if you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. This is just the beginning. Or this is, let's say, obviously, it's not the beginning. It's, you know, their journey to hell, essentially. Their journey toward, you know, ever-increasing apostasy. The Bible clearly states that Christians are to be in the world, but not of the world. Christian leaders who are embracing Chrislam and encouraging others to do the same are literally playing with fire. Have they not studied their Bibles? Well, obviously not. Are they hearing and believing the voice of the serpent in the Garden of Eden when he enticed Eve to be disobedient by saying, Surely shalt thou not, surely thou shalt not die? Uh, what does this? What does any of this have to do with Israel? By now, we all know that the heart and soul of Islam is to see all Christians and Jews removed from the face of the earth. Yes, that's true. If proponents of Islam are successful in recruiting numbers of people who call themselves Christians, then not only will the Muslims want to see Israel and all the Jews annihilated, but the Chrislamists will now also become part of this evil deed. Because they're yoking themselves up with Islam. Chrislam is apostasy, and anyone who buys into this false concept is on a very slippery slope. Uh, I wish I would say could say that these articles are going to get better today, but they don't. Next article. <clears throat> Denver's religious leaders said on the 10th anniversary of 9-11 that the best hope for peace begins with the world's 
all the world's faith traditions coming together. One big super religion. It's like a super Walmart, but for, for religion. In service of that ideal, representatives of the three monotheistic faiths, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, gathered at St. John's Cathedral Sunday, Sunday to have a conversions, conversations that matter, this is what they were entitled, and a multi-faith servants, service of, of remembrance, healing, and hope. In forums held all afternoon, people talked about difficult subjects, including what bothers them about other religions. They talked about their greatest fears about other religions. They learned some of what each faith, faith's sacred texts say about the others. They discussed ways for different groups to conduct di- respectful dialogue with each other. In other words, they're just finding ways they can, every way they can to yoke up with one another and to justify it in their own minds so that they can all be on this nice, politically correct bandwagon going straight to hell. To wrap up the forums, Johnny Five of the Flowbots, a Christian rapper... Now, he's my favorite. I mean, listen, I, we, can, we can talk about a lot of things, but don't mess with my boy Johnny Five and the Flowbots. I mean, come on. He was the guy that invented the Flowbee. Remember that? It was that thing... It was that thing that they, they advertised on all like the infomercials for a long time. And what it did, it was a vacuum. It sucked your hair up into the vacuum. And then it had little cutters of the thing. So you could like uniformly cut your hair all over. And like do it really quick and get yourself a good haircut at like a really low cost. Just for the cost of the Flobie. This is the guy that invented the Flobie. Johnny Five of the Flobots. Sorry, I just made that whole thing up. But anyway, there is a guy named Johnny Five of the Flobots. He is a Christian rapper. And he hosted a final special event for this this um, United Global Superchurch Forum, uh, which was called an Interactive Interfaith Performance Workshop. So I'm glad they, they went out at least on some solidly biblical note, obviously. You know. Anyway, let's go to the next article here. Okay, next article. Vatican calls for world government. The current global economic crisis has pushed world leaders to begin recommending a world government. The Vatican is now calling for a global public authority, including a world central, basically super bank, controlling global financial affairs. So, it's obviously, they're pretty much on board with this one world government, one world political system, one world economic system, one world currency, one world religion. The Vatican is, is really, uh, obviously advocating this. So again, like I said, I think they're going to be the Vatican, the Catholic religion is going to be at the heart and soul of the uh, coming one world um, religious system. Probably going to be kind of near the top of the hierarchy as far as the infrastructure standpoint goes. And uh, here they're calling for a uh, global public authority, world central bank controlling all global financial affairs. I mean, uh, we're talking, you know, Just amazing stuff here. Unbelievable. An 18-page document released by the Vatican's Justice and Peace Department was entitled, quote, Towards Reforming the International Financial and Monetary Systems in the Context of a Global Public Authority. It condemned the idolatry of the market. Oh, boy. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Idolatry. Which is the very standard by which Catholicism operates. I mean, look at all the idols that they make literally to be worshipped. Whether it be the false Mary, 
of the Bible, whether it be all of their various saints. I mean, that they've got a saint for everything. You know, they got a saint for stub toes and a saint for ringworm and whatever that you pray to when you have this particular thing. They have so much idolatry going on that they had to remove, I believe it was the second commandment regarding bowing thyself down unto graven images and idols. They had to remove that and split. It was either the ninth or tenth commandment. So that they still have ten commandments, but they removed the one about idolatry. They really did this. It's one of the many abominations that they've done. So for them to condemn idolatry in the market, I mean, wow. The hypocrisy of that is just mind-boggling. And then they called for an in-depth examination of the principles of the cultural and moral values at the basis of social coexistence. Selfishness, collective greed, and hoarding of goods is blamed for the economic crisis which it pretended would lead to a climate of growth, growing hostility, and even violence, and ultimately undermine the very foundations of the democratic institutions, even the ones considered most solid. Let's back up a little bit here again. Selfishness, collective greed, and hoarding of goods is blame. And again, the pot calling the kettle black here. Selfishness? Like the pedophile priests that go and rape all these little little kids just for their own selfish, sick, perverted sexual gratification. There's literally whole armies of these devils throughout the years. Throughout hundreds and hundreds of years of this pedophile institution. That's the height of selfishness. Selfishness to the point where all you really desire to do as a religious institution is control people's lives and way of thinking. And ultimately, because Satan is the one that founded you and your concepts of work-based, works-based, seven-sacrament-keeping religion, your whole goal, the whole goal of Catholicism, from a satanic standpoint, is to get as many people into hell and the lake of fire as possible. That's the height of selfishness. Collective greed? This is coming from, definitely, without a doubt, the most richest religious institution on the planet. I mean, people that have basically willed everything that they had to the Catholic Church. A lot of them might have been the priests that might have been in there, nuns, uh, people that have died over the years, during the Inquisition, when their true colors were really showing, when they killed at least 50 million people and martyred tons and tons of real Christians, you know, all the property that they have stolen over the years, all the things that they have gained through the confessional, which is totally unbiblical, all of the inside information they've gained from the confessional. And they're the ones that are talking about collective greed? (laughs) I mean, wow. And then the hoarding of goods, which would also fall under that banner. I, I just, I can't, I can't just let these these statements go. Of course, this also fits neatly with the U.S. president's stated goal, which is to quote, share the wealth around. The world is succumbing to the false idea that more laws and regulations by the government is the solution to the selfishness, collective greed, and hoarding of goods. Lost in all this is the biblical concept that the basic problem is the human heart, and only when it is changed by the Holy Spirit will social, economic, cultural, and political problems be solved. Well, those, in general, those problems are not going to be solved until the Lord Jesus comes back. The Lord Jesus Christ comes back, you know, 
at the end of the tribulation in, in that regard and sets up a thousand year kingdom because it's not going to happen from now until then collectively. It might happen in pockets, but I'm talking on a global scale. Okay. Unfortunately, today the church finds itself playing catch up and Satan has hobbled the churches with defective Bibles, leaving pastors doubting the word of God and the people in confusion. A huge point he just brought up here. 1881, when that first, or the main first false Bible came out, literally translated from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus. The Vaticanus, which was one which was in the Vatican that they had found that hadn't even been touched for hundreds of years because they knew it was corrupt. And the Sinaiticus, which was actually literally found in a trash can in a demonic monastery at the base of Mount Sinai, hence Sinaiticus, those were the two corrupt Catholic manuscripts that were used to translate the revised version of 1881 through two high-level occultists named Westcott and Hort. And they were high-level occultists. They were buddies with Charles Darwin, the guy that gave us evolution. And they got together and they had this club called the Ghostly Guild where they got together and did seances and stuff like that. Talked to the dead, talked to demons, things like that. They also had the Club of Hermes. Hermes, you know, being the god of death. Uh, these are literally clubs they had. These were the guys that gave us the revised version of 1881, which has virtually spawned every other false version that we've gotten since then. Then we have the King James, which is from a totally different lineage of Bibles that wasn't corrupted. Okay, All of these false, defective Bibles today are producing rotten fruit. They've been it's, it's the word of God that's been beyond leavened. And it, with each subsequent abomination translation that comes out, it's even more leavened. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Jesus Christ primarily referred to leaven. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. So these Bibles have been corrupted. So, Satan has hobbled the churches with defective Bibles, leaving pastors doubting the word of God, and the people in confusion. Now, when they go to the cemeteries, I mean the seminaries, where they're taught, they're not only taught, yes, go and, and, and get your 501c3 corporate status, yoke up with the government, get all your licenses from the state, even though there's no Bible for doing any of that. Yoke up with the government in every way, shape, or form. Do that. But also, you know, there's much better renderings of this manuscript. And really, the King James isn't, isn't correct anyway. These are more accurate. They're older. And, and really, and all they, all they do is, and, and again, this is all by design, the seminaries, for the most part, are destroying the faith of the pastors, destroying the foundation of the faith of the pastors, which is the word of God. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. The words of the God are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. He's promised to preserve his word. Okay, but they don't teach that in the seminaries. They teach, oh, well, this is a better rendering, and that's inaccurate, and, and this is older, even though it's derived from corrupt Catholic manuscripts. What it does is it breeds confusion. It breeds double-mindedness. It breeds doubt in the pastors. So they get out and they're already ruined. And then they go and they pastor a church. And how, if their faith has been ruined, and I'm not saying all, but I'm saying a lot, then how can they impart 
if their faith has been corrupted, if their faith has been leavened, if they don't even have faith, if they're not even saved, how can they be a proper shepherd or pastor to their congregation? Well, if you were Satan, isn't that who you'd go after? The pastors first? Corrupt their educational system? So that when they get out, then they're going to just be byproducts of this satanic system? I'm not saying it's all satanic. I'm saying, you know, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. Doesn't take a lot. So, that's something to think about. And then let's go further. Uh, Using that doubt, the devil has convinced us that hell may not be so bad. Homosexuality is really not a sin. Evolution may be part of God's creation process. Worldly music and entertainment is okay. Marriage vows don't really mean what they say. And whoever dies with the most toys wins. That's pretty much, you go into, you know, Smiley Joel Osteen, Rick Warren. You know, a lot of these these mega churches, that's exactly what you're going to get. Institutions such as Harvard and Yale that were originally established to train pastors have become hotbeds of antichrist philosophies. Humanism, naturalism, atheism, well, you know what, the modern day secular college system in general. And that's another place where so many, um, well, people coming out of high school going into college get corrupted. From the, oh, the higher learning of these professors. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's what I think about when I think about these professors at all these colleges that are literally there to destroy any semblance of biblical faith that a lot of these students might hold dear. Now, I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying the modern-day college system is set up to produce a secular product, a a unbiblical product in the student that they graduate. And that's all by design. You know, so you mess up the professors at the seminaries, you mess up the professors at the colleges, you you give them public school systems. Um, the, the Christian uh, schools, they've been, for a, a lot of that's been corrupted as well. A lot of lukewarm stuff. Well, when you get them, the younger you get a child, you know, the more likelihood they're going to turn out bad. So, their graduates have firmly planted these godless viewpoints into our public schools and government institutions, driving out biblical principles and forbidding any reference to the Creator. Next article, which, you know, uh, is in line with the the one that we were talking about regarding, the, the one we were just talking about regarding for the Vatican calling for a world government. We're going to segue into this one. Pope Benedict is said to be preparing to resign the papacy in April of 2012. Now, this is cutting edge. This is their view on this. Supposedly, this information is is becoming more widely known. This time frame would allow the Pope to consolidate his papacy and uh, be ready if a spiritual paradigm shift occurs on December 21st, 2012, which is the end of the... Mayan long count calendar, which we've talked about in times past, just key in 2012 in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. This is from an article entitled, Prepare the Black Pope. Media reports say Pope may resign in April of 2012. Now there is a the Pope that we all see, and then there's also another Pope called the Black Pope. And from the information I've seen, the Black Pope's the one that really has the power. Now I'm not going to get into that subject today, but that is something that you may not have been aware of. 
This is from that article from Prophecy News Watch. It says, there is one front page news story today that will certainly not go unnoticed. And that is, the Pope is thinking about resigning during the spring of 2012. Uh, journalist Antonio Sochi has confirmed the same in the Italian daily Libero. For now, Sochi writes, quote, he is saying that this may be true, but I hope the story does not reach the news. But the rumor is circulating high up in the Vatican and therefore deserves close attention. The Pope has not rejected the possibility of his resignation when he turns 85 in April of next year. Uh, I've heard, I mean, he's, he's getting like John Paul, you know, really, really, really mega decrepit. I mean, the guy's so evil looking. He already, I mean, when he went in to be the Pope, he looked like he had that fresh in the casket look anyway. Now he's just to the point where, you know, he's really decrepit. You know, all that evil really eat you up inside. And, you know, he's, he's at the head of it. So, um, the news story in the second, as in the second in as many weeks reporting a major event planned for 2012. In the last week's newsletter, we reported that the Quartet of Nations announced that they had set the date of December 2012 as the deadline by which they wanted a final Middle East peace treaty. Will that coincide with the end of World War III when they finally can come to a real peace treaty? I mean, to me, it's looking like they're not going to have this peace treaty anytime real soon because there's so much posturing for war. The only thing that would make that go down temporarily would be if Israel would get some type of assurance that there's no way that Iran could develop nuclear weapons. At least that's the story we're being told. So that doesn't look like it's going to happen. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. If Pope Benedict XVI does resign, then the final pope of St. Malcolm's prophecy will step to the world scene, which is some Catholic prophecy. Now, I'm not saying I'm buying into all that. I'm saying this is what they're saying, how they're going to play, how it's going to play out. Okay, so this is Cutting Edge's view regarding this particular matter. I'm not saying I agree with everything. I'm saying it is an interesting viewpoint. In Volume 1 of 2012 Beyond, Doc Marquis speaks at length of the St. Malcolmy prophecy. I'm not endorsing everything Doc Marquis says either. Okay, I'm just saying this is rather confirmatory to a lot of the other information that I've went into in times past. So, I guess he's got this DVD, 2012 and Beyond. Doc Marquis speaks at length of the St. Balcomy prophecy, pointing out the truth that the details concerning each pope has uncannily been accurate. Okay, so I guess this prophecy, which obviously was not given of God, but there was some demonic foreknowledge here, has evidently, according to Doc Marquis, been accurate up to this point. I don't know. Uh, the final pope will be the hundred the 112th in St. Malcolm's prophecy, and he will take the name Peter the Roman. What about Peter the Rabbit? What about that name? Peter the Rabbit. Come on! That way they can have Ishtar in there, and the whole fertility goddess angle. I mean, come on! Why can't we all get on the same page? Puffy Peter Cottontail, you know, jumping around, he's got his Ishtar basket going on. Anyway, um... Yeah, and do not be deceived, for the Illuminati has planned that the top religious leader of the New World Order religion will be the Roman Catholic Pope. Now that's coming from somebody who was an Illuminati insider. The top religious leader of the New World Order religion will be the Roman Catholic Pope. Now there's been, I, I would agree with it, 
There's been many, 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 many people that have come out and said, they're, they're going to, well, what did I just talk about with Imam Mani, the 12th Imam coming? He's going to show up with Master Jesus here, who they're going to call Jesus or whatever, the false Jesus, Sananda Emmanuel. And all of the New Age things I've seen regarding him is he's going to be set up as at the head of the Roman Catholic Church, at the head of the uh, New World Order religion. So, who better, who better than a fake false Jesus to do that? Who, whoever he is at the time at the appearance of the Antichrist. In other words, let me just read that statement again. The Illuminati has planned that the top religious leader of the New World Order religion will be the Roman Catholic Pope. Whomever he is at the time of the appearance of the Antichrist. Whoever that Pope is, you know, when the Antichrist appears, you know. So, I find the timing of Pope Benedict's possible resignation to be very interesting. Just eight months later, after he would supposedly retire, April of 2012, the widely acclaimed date of December 21st, 2012, will be upon us. Which we make the case, not me, but they, make the case in their two DVDs, 2012 and beyond, that the only event which might occur on that date is a demonic possession outpouring of the from the abyss and controlling every unsaved person on planet Earth. The demonic possession will cause the immediate spiritual and mental transformation when occultists, that occultists call the universal mind. Suddenly, people of every race, religion, and country will be thinking in sync, promoting the rise of the Antichrist. Now, before you discount any of this, uh, let me just read this last part and then I'm going to comment. Furthermore, we demonstrated in Volume 2 of our 2012 series entitled Paradigm Shift, this massive demonic possession, this paradigm shift of spiritual values and mental mindset may take the form of a global Marian apparition. A global Marian apparition. Meaning the demonic Mary version, mother of Jesus, but it's the demonic form, it's the false one. These Marian apparitions that have taken place all over the, the planet for Catholics, that they make all these pilgrimages to, there may be a global one. My comment on this is I think it would pro- probably be regional initially based on the prevailing religion over a given area. Meaning, if there's a global Marian apparition to people in China, that's not going to really ring true to them. Because they don't that's going to be kind of insignificant. Yeah, it may be impressive, but it's not going to speak to their religious cult that they're part of. Taoism or yin-yang or whatever, Zoroastrianism, ancestor worship, whatever. In that particular region, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. In other words, from the technology that is available in Project Bluebeam, they can project gigantic holographic images on the skies of whatever religious flavor deity you are expecting to see. Over India, it would probably be, you know, like um, Krishna. Or maybe the fifth Buddha. I don't know. Um, It would depend. I think it would be regional, in other words. Uh, So, maybe, though, I mean, I understand Mary has actually been appearing to to, um, Islamic, because... um, I'm a little foggy on that, but I know that Mary has, this demonic Marian apparition has appeared to uh, people in Islam as well. And again, why would this be happening? Because 
there has got to be a breaking down of the walls of these different and various religions. There's been rather firm walls put up between, you know, all these major religious systems of the world. Those walls got to come down some way. And what we're going to see is a um, more of a push toward this global religion, and there's got to be a lot of... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the word would be. Infiltration by other religious systems. So it would be basically softening you up for the coming one world false prophet and antichrist. So we're going to see a lot of that. Now there's a tape that you can go watch online called "Messages from Heaven" about these false Marian apparitions, and I probably can find it on YouTube or Google. I don't know. Uh, just key in "Messages from Heaven." It takes you through there. It's it's a great. DVD to actually give to a Catholic if they're open-minded at all. It's actually done in a pretty gentle way. Um, but most of the time, my experience has been when you deal with a Catholic, their fangs come out real quick when you start. And they could be a lukewarm Catholic. It doesn't matter. Those demons are there, and their fangs come out real quick. So I would recommend if you're going to do that to pray and possibly fast prior to doing that because um, the Holy Spirit has to be the one that draws them. So, let's back up a little bit here. It says, the only event which might uh, occur on that date, you know, December 21st, 2012, is a demonic possession outpouring from the abyss and controlling every unsaved person on planet Earth. Well, this is what I just got into on this 11-11-11. When, and I put out emails, if you're not on my email list, you, I would highly recommend you get on. Just go to contendingfortruth.com. It's free. You click on there, I get the health and the, and the other. I don't send out very many on the health, but if I do send out one, it's usually pretty important. Uh, and um, I'll try. Th- those are things that a lot of times they're breaking. I can't even think about covering them in a teaching because they're time dependent. And I put out a couple this week on this 11-11-11 thing and how they were having that big gathering in Sedona, Arizona, how these Stardove devils, the ones that go and open supposedly vortexes, stargates, wormholes, whatever you want to call them. It's the same thing CERN's trying to pull off over in uh, Europe there, the CERN super collider. That's what they're trying to literally do. They're trying to create these these uh, rifts in, in the space-time continuum. Well, I got all Star Trekky there for a second. And basically create avenues or portals or vortexes or wormholes into our dimension. And again, cult, occultists, high-level occultists are obsessed with this. You know, um, L. Ron Hubbard, the, the guy that gave us, um, you know, was it Scientology or whatever? Uh, and um, Aleister Crowley, and a lot of them were obsessed with, with, with high-level witchcraft ceremonial workings and rites to open these portals to allow... I really believe you're dealing with fallen angelic entities to literally enter into our dimension and to be able to have free reign here. There's been some type, and again, I believe the Bible refers to this in 2 Thessalonians, um, where, where it says, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This restraining force, a lot of people call it the Holy Spirit. I would have the tendency to agree with that. Um, but this holy restraining force that's kept back a lot of this evil from our dimension is slowly I really believe being removed, and as more witchcraft is being done worldwide, these portals are being opened, and there's more wickedness, and this is a big reason why it's getting more wicked. And this 11-11-11, you had occultists from all over the planet that were literally, that was their goal. I mean, the first 
in this 11, 11, 11, it was called The Gathering. I love that word, just The Gathering, you know. It's always occultic. It's always New Age when you see that word, typically. And um, the first thing that they were trying to accomplish was called activation. Now, it's not like when you get, like, a credit card in the mail and you got to, like, okay, i got to activate my credit card. Not that kind of activation. Okay? It's basically, they're activating these portals, these stargates, whatever you want to call them, these wormholes of, of for these interdimensional beings to enter into our... They're viewing it as they're the, these, uh, the gods of old coming into our dimension and straightening everything out. Uh, of course, a lot of them, I don't even believe, believe that. But it's causing wickedness to enter into our dimension at a torrid pace. And this is why I was putting these emails out to pray against this stuff. And then we have the 13 skulls, the 13 crystal skulls, being brought together by these Mayan shamans in San Francisco of all places. I mean, the capital of wickedness in America, essentially. And they were being brought into, for the first time ever, these 13 crystal skulls, at least the um, the, uh, first time that we're aware of, were brought together. And supposedly, if like, Looking back at that uh, show from Indiana Jones, the the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls or whatever, that was the goal there, was to bring together all these crystal skulls, and these were these alien life forms, essentially, and when they were all brought together, then all of a sudden they collectively, I don't know, uh, do their thing. It's demonic from the pit of hell. You know, the only thing I'd do is is is, is if I had one of those, uh, if, if somebody gave me one of those crystal skulls, I'd... De- demolish that thing. I'd introduce it to Mr. Sledgehammer. And then Mr. Burn Barrel. Oh yeah. I would love to do that. I would just, that would would be awesome. I mean, you're getting rid of something that's totally wicked. It'd be like destroying an idol. Except like an idol on steroids, essentially. So, I mean, this is really high level wickedness. And that's why I put out those emails regarding 11-11-11. I mean, um, so, let's go further here. Quoting from the 2012 Paradigm Shift DVD, we hear, Pope John Paul II is anxiously awaiting a potent worldwide Marian vision. Now, this is when he was alive. World chaos is to precede this vision. Now, this is what Pope John Paul II was waiting on a worldwide Marian vision. And I'm not saying there can't be a worldwide Marian vision. I just think there's going to be other false deities mixed in with that based on religion over a given region. That's all I'm saying. But worldwide chaos is actually to precede the vision. Now, I've said this before. I said there's going to be a lot of cataclysmic stuff going on at once, World War Three, cataclysms, earth disasters, probably pandemics. I've already stated a lot of those. And then out of the ashes of that, then we're going to have all of these line signs and wonders and miracles. Because And everybody's going to be at max desperate. Not everybody, but the world population at large is going to be at max desperation level. And will be willing to accept anything that's given to them. So, this is why world chaos would be to precede this vision from a satanic standpoint. 
Because Satan's going to soften you up with all these cataclysmic events, and then he's going to really lay it on with the, with the line signs and wonders and false garbage. It makes sense. Um, quoted from Malachi Martin's book, The Keys to the Blood. I guess that was where that last quote came from about Pope John Paul II. How did the Pope know this worldwide apparition will occur in 1981 as he was recovering from his attempted assassination? Well, we really don't know if it's going to happen yet. I mean, yeah, we can speculate, and it probably will. But, I mean, we can't say for sure it hasn't happened yet. But, um... In 1981, he was recovering from his attempted assassination. He was suddenly visited, supposedly, by the false Virgin Mary, who supposedly transported him back to Fatima vision of October 13, 1917. Pope John Paul II viewed the vision as though he had been there. However, this time the message was different. Pope John Paul was told that he was to expect and to await a supernatural Marian vision like Fatima, what was the purpose of the Marian vision? The purpose of the supernatural vision is to validate the Roman Catholic Church as the only true church and this Pope as God's ordained leader. So, what does that mean? If that were to, if there was any validity to that, I want to highlight that on, on the thing. Validate that the Roman Catholic Church is the one true church. Well, if they assume the mantle of the global super church, if they're at the head of the hierarchy, which I believe everything we've seen today and everything I've, uh, a lot of the stuff I've covered in previous teachings would confirm that. Okay, granted, yes, witchcraft is going to be the backbone of the coming one world super church, no doubt about it. I do think the Catholic Church, from an infrastructure standpoint, from a power standpoint, from a corruption standpoint, is the most poised, though, to be at the ha top of the food chain there. This, um, the purpose of this worldwide Marian vision would be to validate the Roman Catholic Church as the only true church and the Pope as God's ordained leader. Now, if it was already this Master Jesus, if he had already taken the reins of this, wouldn't that be a perfect thing to validate his, uh, title? I think it would. And it would be a very, very good... It, to me, he would be the um, absolute leading candidate for the false prophet. I don't know who else would be better qualified to be false prophet than the leader of the Roman Catholic Church when all this stuff starts to go down. This event will, most, will be most powerfully psychic. The force accompanying this vision will be so powerful, it will literally bring... Uh, bring the normal activity of the world to a standstill. Men will be so moved that their consciousnesses will cry out with fear. So pay attention to this stuff I'm talking about here. Because this really rings true to me because I've read this before in other... Uh, and I'm going to get into that in a second. But in other uh, occultic writings. The vision is supposed to produce an engulfing chaos along with misdirection and disequilibrium in human affairs. In other words, the entire population of the world will experience a simultaneous changing of their minds. The vision will be preceded by either a long sound, a bright light, or perhaps a strong odor. Strong odor? Anyway. Um, to me, that wouldn't be the best way to really you know, get your point across. But anyway, these effects are, it was like a wet dog is that the strong odor? Wow, I really smell wet dog all of a sudden. What is that? Oh, I've been enlightened. I mean, I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of anticlimactic. You know? Come on. 
Anyway, sorry. These effects are identical to those which New Agers have predicted during the appearance of Antichrist. Taylor can barely contain herself. She thinks it's funny. Okay, so let's go further here. These effects are identical to those which the New Age writers have predicted during the appearance of Antichrist. Um, again, yes. Who? Who was the first one I've ever heard predicting a very similar thing? Well, it was Maitreya. You go up there, you key in Day of Declaration, Maitreya, United Nations, whatever, and you'll see that he has a very similar scenario of his supposedly coming Day of Declaration when he is his big coming out party, Maitreya, and he says, you know, in that day every eye will see, every ear will hear, and you'll hear me telepathically worldwide, and you know, you'll get all warm and fuzzy, and you'll have these wonderful feelings of whatever, and um, I'll speak to you telepathically, and, uh, you know, all this crazy stuff. And now, from a demonic standpoint, you know, I don't, I'm not saying they can't pull this off. Um, again, it is going to be the, you know, the quintessential essence of lying signs and wonders, and a wicked, gener- a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. I mean, there's going to be so many signs that, you know, there's going to be people by the millions upon millions, probably billions, falling for this stuff hook, line, and sinker. So it really rang true because it reminded me a lot of what Matreya's website had been talking about. So um, only after this supernatural Marian vision can the new official seal of the New World Order be unveiled. The world will undergo the greatest change of will, mind, and heart in history. I mean, you think people are deluded and deceived now. Whoa, I mean, you we've seen nothing yet. Um, let's go further here. Let's see. The Pope will stand as the undisputed world religious leader with a following that will be downright fanatical. If Pope Benedict resigns in April of 2012, the new Pope will have eight months to consolidate his reign and prepare for the global Marian apparition, which will validate his office and the Roman Catholic Church as only as the only true religion on earth. But again, you know, I, that's not going to... It's just not going to be about Roman Catholicism. There's no way. Because... You've got to have a uh, a melting pot scenario of assimilation of all these other religions. It just can't be strict Catholic doctrine with no other leaven introduced. It's going to be a combination, okay? And I don't. I believe at that point it may. It's probably not even, not even going to be referred to as the Roman Catholic religion anymore. You know, one world religious system under Antichrist. I don't know what they'll call it, but. Uh, at that point, the Roman Catholic Pope can then ascend to the global role of false prophet the top religious leader of all the world's religions. The date of December 21st, 2012 is shaping up to possibly be a very important date in world history. Okay, I think they made some good points there. Uh, next article. Christians call for Pat Robertson's, Robertson's immediate resignation as the founder of CBN councils that divorce due to disease is permissible. Now, again, Pat Robertson, high-level Freemason, he's even did the the strong grip of the lion's paw on the cover of Time magazine. You know, I mean, it's flat out the, uh, you know, that's a whole other subject that you could cover. But anyway, Robertson's ungodly counsel acts to the further degradation of marriage and is a direct assault on the word of God. Disposing of your spouse due to illness is something that you would have to expect, you would have expected to have heard from some 
from the likes of Dr. Death Jack of Orkian, not a supposed minister of the gospel. Marriage is in sickness and in health until death do you part. There's no justification to dispose of your spouse because of a disease. This is unbelievable. He said this. God hates divorce. We call on Pat Robertson to publicly repent or resign his post as president. Oh, I mean, who would need to repent of being a high-level occultist first? A generational Luciferian, most likely. I mean, anyway. um, Michael Markavage of RepentAmerica.com said, echoing the sentiments of Bible-believing Christians across the world. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, 1 Peter 3.7. On a recent edition of 700 Club, which reaches an estimated 360 million people worldwide, Robertson, who was presented with a question from a viewer who asked how they should advise a friend who had been having an affair after his wife began suffering from Alzheimer's disease. So this guy was already running around on his wife after... She had Alzheimer's. I guess that was his excuse. Okay, so he had already been doing like the way I read this originally. I'm like, I'm like, well, okay. Had the guy, I'm assuming the guy had been, you know, a good husband up to this point. Is he's thinking about like divorcing his wife now because she's got Alzheimer's, which is you know unbiblical totally. But I didn't realize he had already been having an affair on his wife to boot. Okay, so. Robertson responds in his sound biblical fashion, quote, I know it sounds cruel, but if he's going to do something, he should divorce her and start all over again. I'm not making this up. But make sure she has custodial care and someone's looking after her at least. I put in the at least part. Are you kidding me? I know it may sound cruel. Now this is after the guy has already committed adultery on her. And the fact that he's even asking this question shows what a reprobate that he is. But here, good old Pat Robertson, high level of Luciferian, you know, Masonic boy, says, I know it sounds cruel, but if he's going to do something, he should divorce her. (laughs) I want to know the book, chapter, and verse on that one. And start all over again. Well, hey, in, in, in today's disposable economy, why not? You know? Just treat your wife like, you know, something disposable, which is what he's saying. You know, when you're done with that, you know, with, with that, um, the, the Big Mac and, 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 your, and your Happy Meal or whatever, what do you do? You throw it away when it's of no use to you anymore. This is what he's basically saying. I mean, I can't even believe this. He says, but make sure she has c- custodial care. I mean, don't throw her in a ditch or anything like that. Make sure, make sure, you know... Make sure she's 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 got some custodial care, and someone's there to look after her. Oh wow, Pat! I mean, that is just so biblical, man. I mean, you are a pastor's pastor. That's all I can say. He continued, "Quote: I certainly wouldn't put a guilt trip on you if you decided that you have to have companionship because you're lonely." Oh my word. So it's okay. I mean, he didn't even get a rebuke for committing adultery on his wife. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that, you know, is really, um, uh, you know, all adulterers will have their part in the lake of fire, you know, that type of... Why didn't he quote that verse? You know? Uh, no, that wasn't 
quoted. No, um, he said, I wouldn't put a guilt trip on you if you decided that you have to have companionship because you're lonely. Because that's all that really matters is self, the God of self. And if you're lonely and, you know, your wife is kind of being a burden, just divorce her, start all over. It's okay, just keep having that affair. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. When co-host Terry Mewison, sorry, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, inquired about spouses honoring their vows, Robertson replied that he knows that husbands and wives promise, you know, till death do us part, but claimed, this is a kind of death. Oh, her getting Alzheimer's is a kind of death. So, so in your twisted, unbiblical, ungodly, warped view of scripture, you're saying Alzheimer's is equivalent with death, so that way it's, it's okay to commit adultery on your wife and basically kick her to the curb and, you know, get an upgrade. Because that's essentially what they're, he's saying, right? I mean, I'm just, I'm just translating for you, essentially. Um, this is a kind of death. Robertson's statements are clearly in direct conflict with the word of God, which declares, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another, committeth adultery against her. Um, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Uh, also, it is disgraceful that a minister would use the pulpit of an international television show to advise viewers that illness and loneliness are sufficient grounds for divorce. Said Mark Havage, marriage is one of the one of the cornerstones of any healthy society. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just absolutely stunned by this uh, by this material here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and end part two here, and we'll go to part three next. We're going to continue with the same theme. God bless you.